When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! Welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we tackle your etiquette questions on whose name comes first, cat sitter thank yous, and dinner guest no-shows. Plus your feedback etiquette salute for the week and a postscript segment on family gatherings. Coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. And I'm still so glad to have you back. And it's still so good to be back. (laughs) And we're still catching up on everything. We really are. A lot has happened. And with it being an unexpected a lot that happened, there was sort of this interruption in in our life and our business here that happened so abruptly, so suddenly, that it is taking just a minute. So. I'm really curious. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what's going on here. So we just had, on Memorial Day weekend, a couple weeks ago now, we had the New York Times article came out that Kelly and I went down to New York to do. I'm going to interrupt. Congratulations. That piece was excellent. I really appreciated seeing Cousin Lizzie on the cover of the New York Times style section. Thank you. But congratulations to both of us because it's so awesome to have that book in. And you know how much work you did. And we would not have gotten that without, like, the collaborative effort. So... I think of that as like a team win, always. Absolutely. <laughs> I appreciate you including me because you also got to do another thing, yes. a, a little filming with NFL Films that I was so hoping to do with you I and know. you handled on your own. But speaking of collaboration, yeah. that New York Times piece was a collaboration with someone else that yes. we've mentioned on this show. And you got a chance to finally meet her in person and hang out a little bit. And I'm so curious how it went. Tell us more. Oh. Oh my gosh, it was so fabulous. So the NYC trip and the New York Times piece was done with Miss Kelly Williams Brown. And Kelly and I had a lot of rapport under our belts. Uh, by the time we finally met up in NYC this week, you've heard us talk about her on the show for months now. Kelly and I talk about once a week for like four hours at a time. <laughs> Definitely kindred spirits, two girls who totally clicked with each other. But it was so awesome because we got to go to New York together. We shared an Airbnb. So we kind of had this like mini like hey we're roomies moment we're like we're living in New York City together for two nights and it was so much fun it's so crazy in this digital age there are tons of times where you make and form really strong connections with people that you haven't ever met in person and you kind of wonder what is it going to be like when you're not just catching someone in that four hour or 30 minute or typed out exchange and it was so cool I 
think that people would find it hysterical to learn how much etiquette was going on between the two of us. No, not, not so hysterical at all. In fact, I'm sitting here thinking, shared an Airbnb, like traveled and met each other in a, a city that was, I won't say a foreign city, but a city that's new to both of you, neither of your home cities. So one of the things that's really fun about hanging out with Kelly is that we both never assume anything about each other's preferences. So conversations between us in person, we learned, sound a lot like, well, this is one of the things we could do, but I want to make sure that that like resonates with you or that if maybe you need a rest or instead you'd prefer to go do this, like, please let me know. Like, there's just all of this like gentle, like, this is what I'm thinking, but I would love to respect and know what you're thinking. And that's like what our whole friendship sounded like in person. It was hysterical. It's it's only a little bit surprising to me because I hear out the office door the, the phone conversations, which range far and wide and oftentimes have a much more casual feel to them. I, I know how close you two are. And it's it's nice to hear that you're both taking care with that relationship and that it, it was a good time in the end for all. No, it totally was. Kelly so made me feel like she was invested in making sure that we both had our needs met while we were traveling for work together. And I think that's the other thing that I found so interesting about this trip is that this wasn't just two friends meeting and seeing how it went. Our reputations and our jobs and our careers came with us and were about to be represented to the New York Times together. And I think that's like... You know, you want to make sure that you're really making sure the other person is comfortable in all respects because this is a big, big deal. And I feel like that was so well done between the two of us. I was so grateful for that aspect of our friendship. The media opportunity is a good one. The relationship is a really good one. And and to me, that matters almost more than anything because I know the two of of you enjoy each other. And I know that you look forward to working together in the future. So I'm so glad that it went well. And Oh, it um, was. And just from the outside looking in, seeing the results, I started hearing about the article from friends and family before I had a chance to see it myself. So that was also a treat for me. But that wasn't the only thing. No, it wasn't. I know I had all these cool things happen while you were gone and I hated not getting to share them with you in the moment. Talk about our podcast friend. Our podcast friend, Open Mike Eagle. Y'all might remember when we were a part of American Public Media, uh, there were lots of other shows um, that were within the Infinite Guest Network. And one of them was hosted by Mike Eagle. He's an indie rapper from L.A. who hosted a podcast called Secret Skin. It goes by the name Open Mike Eagle. And he is um, incredible. Uh, neither of us are with the network anymore, but we got the chance to meet because he was coming to an event that a friend of mine hosts in Winooski. It's called Waking Windows. It's a really cool music, arts, and food event in this teeny little one-mile square town of Winooski. He was in Vermont. I know! It was crazy! When I saw, um, if, if those of you who follow us on Twitter might have seen the exchange between us, um, Mike was coming to this, and I was like, oh my gosh, you're going to be in Vermont. Like, I can't believe this. And so we said we'd meet up, and Mike is the best conversationalist I've ever talked to. High praise. I, that's like the really first thing praise. I wanted to tell you was that the way Mike listens, by the way, like we we like hung out till like walking around this teeny little Winooski town until like three o'clock in the morning. Like we just the conversation wasn't going to stop. And I love that. I, you know me that I'm like, I'll talk until I'm blue in the face and the sun has come up and gone down again. And <laughs> 
what he'd said at the very end of the night, I said, you ask such great questions. Like you ask questions that make me think, you know what I'm thinking and, and, and sharing better than I do. And he's like, well, what I really care about is being able to paint the picture of what you're talking about from your perspective for me. And that talk about considerate and respectful when he's listening to someone, he wants to understand where they're coming from. I mean, it's total put the other person first and do that so that you, the listener, can understand what's going on. And then the questions that he asks are so insightful and powerful. And you're like, oh, my goodness. So I've, like, got the biggest friend crush on our friend Mike Eagle right now. And I, like, we just so clicked on so many levels. And I'm I'm so grateful that those kind of things can happen through podcast world and jobs and life. And I'm just so stoked. He sounds Sorry. like a future guest for this show. <laughs> I want Mike Eagle to come on so badly. So I'm going to talk with him about getting him to be a guest on the show. And, Mike, if you're out there hearing this right now, I hope you consider yourself invited already. Yes, <laughs> which I totally did do when we were talking to him without your permission. I'm sorry, but I know you would love him. And both uh, he and Kelly say they cannot wait for the opportunity to meet you because they know we're a duo and they just both love the work that you do as well. So my well wishes are extended. (laughs) Well, I appreciate your extending the Emily Post tentacles far and wide (laughs) and ensnaring um, some incredible talent and and really drawing them a little bit closer to us and hopefully someday this show. I, I certainly hope so. Speaking of this show, are we ready to tackle some questions. We have kind of an interesting lineup today. I like what you've done here. Really? Okay. I was a little tepid. I was like, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Let's do it. All right. Awesome Etiquette is so stoked to be answering your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Hey, do yourself a favor. Program that into your phone right now. That way you've got us on speed dial and you could just, anytime you have an etiquette question, call us up, leave the message. We will do our best to get your question on the show or get back to you. You can also hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. 
Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question is titled Gentleman First, so I think I will take this one. Yeah, 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 but read that title correctly, my friend. There's a question mark at the end of it. Gentleman First? Yeah. Dear Lizzie and Dan, we have a question about thank you card etiquette that came up while my husband and I were writing thank you notes for our wedding gifts. Bravo. Well done. Yay. I would write the note, sign off with my first name, write and, then pass the card to him to sign his name. He then wrote his name in, also including our last name, which I've taken. After the first round, he told me that I should leave room for him to write his first name first, then write my first and last name after. He felt the man's name should come first, even though we weren't using the Mr. and Mrs. This seemed odd and actually never occurred to me since I was the one actually writing the card. Is there an etiquette rule here? Sincerely, gentlemen first? I think this was such a classic question for modern times. And I do want to just note, because in our answer, I've got a couple examples that our listener has stated she did take her husband's last name. So we are using a couple examples like that. Obviously, not everyone chooses to do that. And I just want to make sure people know that we understand that this particular question, our our listener has taken her husband's last name. Okay, so this question really popped for me for a couple reasons. Okay, tell me. One, because if we were to go really traditional, traditional etiquette, there's sort of the broad concept, ladies first, (laughs) that appears often. And while in terms of formal address, there is often this convention of Mr. and Mrs. Mm -hmm. John Kelly or something like this. In more informal writing, there is this other idea that it's a traditional idea that was the first thing that popped into my mind that exists for many people that you don't separate a man and his last name. Right. So informally, if you are just writing first name, first name, last name, most people traditionally think woman's first name and then man and then the last, last name. name. Yep. So – Yeah, tra- Kelly and John Smith. Yeah. So traditionally – This is actually a place where women first, ladies first is a pretty embedded idea. Basically, like from that point alone, what the husband is asking for in this would not be the proper thing to do. You because he's asking to have his name separated. And and I don't and that, by the way, that rule doesn't apply anymore. It's not a thing anymore. It's like an old standing tradition. It's not a thing. So I wanted to go really old school on this. And I went to the 1922 edition and I found things I hadn't learned before. Always. I I know, right, Emily? So surprising. Great, great grandmama. So in the 1922 edition, it actually states that the presents are, of course, the brides. And every single example of the thank you notes regarding presents has simply the bride being the one to write and sign the thank you notes all alone. What's really crazy? Our 19th edition has two examples of thank you notes in the bridal section, both signed only by the bride and only with her first name. So I could not find an example of a thank you note for wedding present being signed with the bride and the groom or the bride and the partner, you know, the, the, the spouse. And so it, it showed me just how much like his name coming first was so not the tradition or anything on thank you notes for bridal. 
But that's old school etiquette. I really want to make that clear. Nowadays, gentlemen, absolutely, these gifts are yours too. And absolutely, you should be signing and writing and helping out with these thank you notes, Dan. You you did. How progressive, how egalitarian (laughs) to be thinking of doing this as a couple. Yeah. (laughs) We, We could take it even a step further and divide the labor and say, both people are going to take turns writing the yeah. thank you notes as well. Again, yeah. we're, we're in some new territory here, and I like it. Right. So you know me now, and it's like last – I'm writing the script last night, and it's like 4 o'clock, and I'm starting to get obsessive about this answer. I start looking through other editions, looking for examples of when a husband and wife are signing a thank you note together. I can't find one anywhere until the 14th edition. I did not go through all 14 editions, just so you know, but I was looking through at least three or four. So it was one of it was one of our grandmother's editions. And I finally found a thank you note for being, a, I think, like a house guest or something like that, signed by Aunt Sue and Uncle George. So that's my only example of ladies first and using very familiar names. So once again here, we're not even using last names. So the issue of separating a man from his last name like isn't even apparent because we're doing very familiar Aunt Sue and Uncle George. So that's in there showing me that, again, this husband's request is I'm not finding validation for it in the books, at least. But the other thing I just wanted to bring up is that in all of our examples for these wedding thank you notes, there was no last name used at all. I could imagine a new couple and especially someone who was very excited to take their husband's last name or maybe the couple themselves were really excited to hyphenate and join their last names or use a new last name. I know there's lots of different choices people have today. I could see that maybe to be cute or fun, you might sign it Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so or you might sign it using that that new last name. Why not? But no matter what, we are coming down and boiling down to the advice of... You can sign these however you wish. It does not matter whether you or your partner's name comes first. Um, And typically on this type of note, you don't use your last name. So it's not even an issue about separating a man from his last name or not separating a man from his last name or having the man come first. Basically, I, I think you go with practical here. If you're the one writing the note, you get down to that signature part, you write your name first, and then the person who hasn't written the note and is just adding their name on, because we can't both write the note, really, then you just write, and David, or and Carla, or whatever, you know, you're adding. In the spirit of practicality, the only other thing that comes to mind, and I've I've heard you mention this before, sometimes names roll off the tongue a little easier in a certain order. And something as simple as just how a name sounds, this one sounds better coming first. Dan and Will versus Will and Dan or something like this is can be enough to make the decision. I thought about this with you when I bought you guys that stamper that that had your address on it and everything. I was like, oh my gosh, should it be Dan and Pooja or Pooja and Dan? And I just didn't know. So I went with what sounded like more common in my in my brain. I did go finally to our 19th edition and I just double checked. And work. on page 217, it says when first names are used uh, with a last name or without, by the way, that that's not included in the text, but just to note, either name may come first. So you and Pooja could just as easily be Dan and Pooja Senning as Pooja and Dan Senning. And I think that the the closeout of all of this is it's whatever the two of you prefer. And if your husband wants to write his name first and you feel cool about that, go for it. If you really like the fact that you're writing these notes and you're going to put your name first, you go for that. (laughs) 
I love that you dove into the old editions of etiquette to mine this answer. And the other thing that I'm loving right now is that the answer that you found in the 19th edition is coherent with the answer we gave online. Because I I did the thing where I went to Google. Did you? (laughs) And I had a couple ideas in my mind. It's about separating a man and his last name. I was like, is this still a thing? And just how how does this work out? And sure enough, one of the top results was the EmilyPost.com website. Thank goodness. (laughs) On our page on addressing correspondence, we talk in very similar ways about all of this. And the 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 traditional when you're using those titles oftentimes the mister does come first so in that more traditional place mister is often the first and yeah. i could see where your husband might have internalized that if he's thinking from a place of real formality the again why this question really popped for me is that we're in more informal territory here and you you've mined that territory much more deeply than <laughs> i have. i once you said it i remember instantly that that these are the bride's presence that oftentimes it's even just the bride and that's who's old writing school remember that's old school in the very traditional yeah. informality <laughs> around this particular Thank you note in particular. I just want to say for the 20th edition, we're totally having a thank you note that is written by a gentleman. Like that's happening. That's that example is coming. And I love what I love about this show and about having a new edition is it it points out to you all the things you're excited about for the next edition. And I'll take you into the sending household for Please. just a moment. That Pooja and I have been talking a lot about the division of domestic labor. <laughs> and one of the topics that comes up is the mental load, even the, the work yes. that's involved in thinking about and organizing a project like this. And in some ways, when I think when you're in this kind of territory where you're making a choice, a style choice, whose name comes first? How are we going to do it? I defer to the person who's organizing the project. I defer to the person who's got the stationery, who's put the list together, who's got the addresses in place. There's so much work that goes into writing a thank you note beyond even just the writing of the note itself. And when Pooja and I divided this task, it was these are your people and your family (laughs) and these were my people and my family. And a very common way to do that nowadays, by the way. And that was a a real division of the task that had everybody doing every step in the process and I think is also worth mentioning as we're talking about this particular job. Absolutely. So, gentlemen, first question mark. We hope that answers your question and we hope that uh, the rest of the thank you note process goes smoothly with everyone feeling represented the way they'd like to be. Our next question is titled Caring for Cat Sitters, and I certainly know I can appreciate this with all the fur balls I have at my house. Dear Lizzie and Dan, my girlfriend and I have a cat, and we have a small group of friends we rely on about once every two months to cat sit our cat. We also return the favor for our friends whenever they go out of town. What is the etiquette for payment or a sign of appreciation for the favor? We recently cat sitted for one of our friends when she was out of town, and she baked us an awesome cake. Should we consider always giving some type of food or a bottle of wine and or money? Or should we always include a gift like this? We look forward to hearing your thoughts on this. Best regards, Pablo. Pablo, my first thought is a good pet sitter is kind of a requirement to living free in life. <laughs> and You know how much I struggle with this when we get a phone call at the Institute of, hey, can you come do this? And, and it's both critical oh when there's emergencies that yes. pop up. I recently had a situation where I was called out of town unexpectedly and being able to call the person who was the the favored house sitter, happened to be an old high school friend of mine for a, a group of people was um, – It was critical in that moment. It's also part of being able to say, yes, I'm going to spend a week at a beach house this summer. (laughs) That's even a possibility. So this is an important relationship um, and it's an important job because we, we do love our pets. My thought on this one was I love awesome cake. 
I do not mind awesome cake being given to me for cat sitting. We'll take cake we'll, as payment. We'll, we'll be paid in cake or muffins. Um, I think that it seems like this group has a good thing established. And my sister and I do this. Sometimes we bring back gifts for each other if we've been away. But often it's just the favor is bounced back and forth as a favor. And that way it's an inexpensive favor. We know that, that each other is going to get each other the next time if they can. That's also the stipulation we put on each other that it's always only if you can. It's not an expectation that you will every time. But I think that it, that to me, like my immediate thought is, no, you don't have to start baking a cake every time or giving money or giving a bottle of wine. But you certainly could. I like that you start by acknowledging the re- reciprocity of the favor. Already there. Because my first thought whenever I think pet sitter or house sitter is offer to pay the person. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. It's an important enough job. It's, it's enough of a burden on someone to take on that responsibility that I – it's not a favor I would ask lightly of someone. I yeah. think thinking about it is something that you pay for. If you were to have to kennel that animal, there yes. would be real costs associated yes. with it. So don't just assume this kind of favor from people. But there is a, a system of reciprocity here. And sometimes there is. There's that perfect neighbor or family member who lives nearby. And you both just do works. this exchange. I would recommend keeping a pretty good eye on that reciprocity actually being there. That that there's an equal time. That you're both asking this of each other in a, a relatively fair manner that I, it's not split 50 50 you're never going to be able to, to to divide it up exactly like that when it's a favor system but that you're keeping an eye on that and that you're paying attention to the nature of that favor system which you are if there was a cake that came one direction am i then obligated to send a cake back the other direction maybe maybe, maybe, maybe not. not but you're you're wise to be looking at the cues and my first thought was maybe it's a cake, but maybe you're not a baker. Maybe there's <laughs> yeah. something else that you would do. Lizzie mentioned the one thing that oftentimes is nice, a little something from the place that you're visiting. Yeah. It could be a Trink little it. piece of food, a trinket, something yeah. that, that, that would remind them of the experience or the event. doesn't need to be that big a deal. I was also thinking, is there anything else that you do well? Is there something else you could do? Could you plant a perennial at their house? Yeah. Are you a gardener? Is there a hobby that, that you enjoy the way they enjoy baking so yeah. that you keep it in that favor friend territory, not necessarily the monetary exchange territory, but you're you're acknowledging that there was a little something extra that happened last time that showed that appreciation. And the one thing that I would warn against is upping the reciprocity, that if all of a sudden they bake you a cake and you go give them like a $100 gift card to a nice restaurant, you might be able to, but I like the idea of keeping things in kind. And so like Dan's saying, maybe you're a great gardener, so you give them like a bunch of your carrots and cucumbers from this year's crop or tomatoes or something like that. But that's like in kind of of skill and low ingredient level as opposed to like, and now we're going to put a big price tag on this favor and then someone feels obligated to return. If it was like maybe they were taking care of your cat for like a month and a half or something like that, yeah, totally, like up the favor. But don't up it for what's been a very natural give and take you know, between the two of you that seems very equal. So that's my one little thing. Even if you have the means to, I think it's nice to keep things a little level. We hope that helps, and we hope you enjoy your time away. Is there anything more fun than a family of little kittens? This next question is a bit of a stunner. It's about dinner party no-shows. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. First of all, love the podcast, and it's a welcome dose of kindness in an often harsh world. So keep them coming. 
A good friend of mine has a dilemma and wants to know how to proceed. He recently hosted a seated dinner party into which he poured considerable time and effort. We're in our 20s, so such an event is a rare treat. Twelve people RSVP'd to say they were coming. Only eight came. Three made no contact with the host before the event, and one canceled two hours beforehand via text. Food and place settings had been prepared for these guests. How is a host to respond in a situation like this? He carried through the evening with grace, but he did tell me he was quite hurt by the no-shows. I don't blame him. I'd be hurt, too. He'd like to remain friends with these people and be able to invite them to future events, but without condoning their behavior at this one. How should he go about inviting these individuals to similar events in the future in order to avoid this outcome? Is there a polite way to spell out that simply not showing up is not acceptable? Some of these guests have not apologized for missing the party. If they do so, how can he respond without lying and saying that their behavior was okay? If they never apologize, how can he avoid that being a sore spot in their friendship? What can he say to them? Is there an appropriate way to communicate that he was hurt by their actions? Thank you so much for looking over these questions. I always appreciate your insight and will be sure to share it with my friend. All the best, Monica. Ouch. I know. I want to give your friend a great big audio hug and tell him to please keep it up. This just gets me. I'm going to use the word. I hate this. No, it reminds me very broadly that rude behavior takes an emotional toll. Yeah. And that it's one of the things that's so difficult about it and makes it worth addressing. I, I'm I'm really liking these days thinking about rude behavior, incivility as subtle gray area territory where the grievance that happens isn't so great that someone's necessarily likely to point it out to you, which this question also gets yes. at. But that it is also enough of a grievance that it causes emotional harm or distress. And that is a real thing. It is corrupting of good relationships and it's and it's hard on the person who experiences it. So I just want to acknowledge that difficult place that we're starting from and just say, yes, this is rude behavior. But I, I also want to provide some comfort. So I'll provide just some camaraderie in this department. I get canceled on a lot. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know why this is my lot in life, but I get canceled on last minute a lot and also with no shows. And I will tell you, I am I get very hurt by it. I do. But I also try to manage my emotions in a way that I say, okay, well, how many times has this happened with this friend? Is this someone I can rely on when they RSVP or not? I start going into those areas of my brain. In the moment when you receive that text message, and I just want to say I am so sorry that only one of your friends sent a text message. It is so low-hanging fruit to just send a text that says, sorry, I can't make it. Hope you have fun. At the same time, it's so bad that last-minute cancel also, and it's worth pointing out as well that if you've said yes, that you're going to go, that it's almost as bad to cancel via text two hours before as it is to not share. I mean, it's it's, it's I'm just, not no, almost as bad, like, but it's bad. And I'm like going, I don't know. I, I'm totally <laughs> with you because I I'm totally with you that canceling last minute is bad, but it happens. You get sick. Your kid gets sick. Work makes you stay late. You twist your ankle because a bumblebee tripped you. I mean, whatever it is, it happens. It can be weird. It can be annoying. It can be an anomaly, but it can happen. It can also just be laziness and it can be not good things. I try very hard in the moment to be as gracious as I can and to think best of the people who are doing this to me, even though they are giving me what I think is their maybe not their worst, but certainly not their best. And I say the the immediate response should be something like, OK, you will be missed. But thank you for letting me know. Agreed. That is truly the etiquette answer for in the moment. Beyond that. 
Um, clear the place setting. Clear, yeah, <laughs> clear the, the place table. setting. Everyone gets bigger <laughs> portions. Hoorah. The people that, you know, can't make it, don't don't find it important enough, whatever it is that's in their head, forget them and let's have fun together. More for everyone else. Exactly. So I think one of the main mental things for me is to really take heart in the fact that I know I can find balance in knowing that everyone who is present, the eight people who showed up, I can be a great host for them and we are going to have a great time and I can deal with my disappointment, my frustration and my friendships with these other people later. And that's what allows me to to ignore the disappointment in the moment and focus on the party that is still going to be fun for the people who showed up who I love so much. I really like that idea of, of, of separating those two things, that in the moment you put on your game face and you, you do whatever you can do and you, you, you're kind to everybody in that moment. I also like the idea that you reserve for yourself the privilege, the right, the integrity of addressing this later on. And we often and always refer to our framework of consideration, respect, and honesty when we talk about handling difficult relationship situations where there's not a particular point of etiquette, right. like in the moment you keep your game face on. <laughs> exactly. And when I think about consideration, respect, and honesty, I like to think about thinking about other people. But respect also means respect for self. And honesty means honesty about where you're coming from emotionally and how something impacted or affected you. And I do think that those two things, respect for self and honesty about how you feel, are important to how you handle those relationships moving forward and how you might address this, which is really the heart of this question, with your friends later on. Yeah. For the three no-shows, I would call them up. And I would say, hey, I missed you at the party. I, you know, you hadn't you said you were coming and you didn't show what happened. Are you OK? You know, go to concern first. Usually when people don't and I'm, I'm uh, you know, there, there are two types of people in this world. There's the people in this world that are going to say, oh, my gosh, were you OK? And what they really mean is what the heck happened, you jerk. And then there's the people who say, boy, if you were a no-show at my party and you couldn't even text me, something must have really been wrong. Are you okay? I come in the camp of the latter. I have trained my brain to go to that place because my brain used to go to the other place. And I just found I didn't like who I was when I was being that other person. You make the decision for yourself, but I, I find it's best to operate in the latter. So call them up and find out what happened, because you might be wanting to express deep concern to someone who is really going through something difficult. So for me, whether or not I am going to deal with this in the friendship realm of, you know, speak up for myself, tell them about my disappointment, that sort of thing. I gauge it on what response I get to the question of what happened or is everything okay? If it was work made it difficult, if it was, uh, you know, kids were sick, if it was reasons like that, then I might say, oh, my gosh, well, I'm glad everything worked out. Um, And then at another point, I, I, this is where I start to make some decisions. Either I'm going to say something like, well, if something like that ever happens next time, do me a favor and just shoot me a text. That way I know to remove your place from the table setting and I can let other guests know you're not going to be there. I can start the dinner without wondering about waiting for you. That would just be really helpful next time because I totally understand when other stuff gets in the way. That sounds so reasonable to me. Right? I would not be bothered hearing that from you, particularly if I was feeling a little bit bad about my behavior to begin with. That sounds Sounds honest and forgiving and understanding. Totally. And it allows me to express what I need, which is, hey, friend, I love you, but I don't love being treated like this without having to say you treated me badly and I should shame you. It also leaves enough space for me 
imagining myself as the person hearing that to say, I am so sorry. I, I I was feeling bad in the moment. I realized later that I hadn't even called you and I apologize. And leaving space for that to happen also I think is an important part of how you raise this with someone. If you do want to let that relationship continue to grow while you establish the standards that really are important to not feeling like you're being stepped on or taken advantage of. These conversations can go well. These conversations can not go well. I recently had someone who forgot to do something for me and, you know, like put me on a list, that sort of a thing. And I was really bummed because I had been helping this person out. I had been really like, you know, their right hand person and the sort of lack of remembrance for me and what I'd been doing. It it just it hurt. And I had to express to my friend that, you know, it wasn't a big deal that I wasn't on this list. Everything still worked out, but that I I had been hurt because we had just been talking about it. And I had been reassured like three times, I'll take care of everything. Don't you worry about it. And sure enough, I show up in the moment and nothing was taken care of. Got through it just fine. But I did let him know. I said, you know, that hurt me. And I just want you to know that that did have an impact on me and how I felt that you valued our friendship. And it gave him the chance to say, it was a total mistake. I got caught up in everything I was doing. And I knew I was forgetting something. And I'm so sorry that you were the thing I forgot. Um, Not thing, but person that I forgot. And that's the moment where I say, okay, like, that's where I have to accept this. I've I've aired my grievance. You've made an apology. And now I want to reassure you that we're going to move on as friends. So I'd say that I'm not going to push this on you. I might joke about it every now and again in the future, but I'm not going to like, this is not serious. And I really just appreciate you letting me know what happened. I like how you're allowing for the space for that conversation could not go well also. That was actually an example that sounded to me like no, it went yeah, pretty no, well. No, that did go well, just so you know. But I'm sorry for giving a bad example. No, but, but it's, but it's true, about. too. Some people aren't going to appreciate hearing something that, that makes feel them judged. feel bad about themselves. Yeah. And that's what's going on. It's, it's done well. This isn't necessarily about judgment. It's about sharing with someone how you felt. And definitely how they behave was part of what resulted in you feeling that way. But I think that that taking ownership, the my mother would say the when you I feel statement yep. is really powerful. And some version of that, I think, is is what we're looking for here. And it's hard to come up with an exact sample script. Right. It's going to vary depending on your relationship with the particular person. Is this one of your best, closest, longest term yeah. friends? Is this someone who does this all the time? Is this someone who never does this? And mm-hmm. the hurt was partially because it was so unexpected and surprising. Mm-hmm. And I think all those things are going to factor into how that conversation develops once you share your feelings and once you express yourself. People are not always great at hearing that they've hurt somebody or that they've caused offense or any of these things. And sometimes what they do is they judge your venting of your frustration or your uh, expressing of your disappointment. And, well, I'm so sorry that you were upset, that kind of a thing. And you just say, you know, I just appreciate you listening to me because I care a lot about our friendship. And, you know, we'll move on from this. I always say go to that future of, you know, we're going to get beyond this. We're, we're this we'll move on from. But I just appreciate you listening to me, even if they aren't giving you the respect back. Just go through the motions of that conversation. In my mind, I think it works. And that is the perfect transition okay. to what I want to say almost the most of all here, which yeah. is take it back to yourself and 
do think about yourself moving forward. Etiquette is so powerful when you use it as a tool for self-assessment and improvement. And I want to remind you to keep it up. You did nothing wrong here. Your behavior was exemplary. Your friend's behavior in this case was exemplary. Don't take it too personally. Don't let those actions of other people impact you in a way that prevents you from doing this kind of thing again in the future. Feel good about yourself and – and try again. Yeah. Move forward. Keep it up. No, because you are the the good spirit here. You're the change we all want to see, the, the, the rise of civility and niceness and care for each other. So don't get drawn down too much into negative feelings here. That, that part of being a good host is letting some of these things roll off your back, that you enjoy the company of those eight people that show up. Mm-hmm. And – you That's can, a good lesson to take away from it. Monica's – like one of her questions exactly, Dan, was what does my friend do in the future as he's planning other dinner parties? Friend, you get to decide whether you invite these people again. You get to decide how many times they pull this kind of a stunt and you tolerate it or don't tolerate it. That's totally up to you. So, friend, take heart that you can both express your disappointment while being very understanding about why that disappointment may or may not have been caused intentionally, not however it comes down, and that you get to make decisions moving forward about how you invite people and how you handle these types of wonderful dinner parties that you are clearly very good at throwing. I hope I get an invitation from you at some point in the future. My gosh, chick, I'm getting tired of waiting. I'm getting hungry, too. Oh, shut up. They'll be here in a little while. But what if they don't come? They'll come, all right. Thank you for your questions. You can send us your next question, updates, or comments on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Please leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want it on the show. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And our first piece of feedback this week comes from Bridget, who wrote in responding to the episode. And forgive me, I was not able to locate it, um, but it was the episode where we discussed Dan's name. (laughs) And Bridget writes, Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I was really happy to hear about Dan's name today when I listened to the podcast. I had always been curious, but since I had not listened prior to Dan's wedding, I assumed it was Pooja's last name and that you both just hyphenated. It was nice to get the real scoop, and I think it's great. I am one of five girls, and my last name is Devney Rye, and that's hyphenated. My dad died when I was nine, so I thought it was a great way to honor him. Also, I think it sounds great. Also, I've been so happy I kept him. I've made so many connections with people as a result who would never have put together that I was one of the Devney girls. Not to mention the occasions where someone actually knew my dad and asks if I'm his daughter. That latter thrills me to no end. Keep up the good work. I really like your podcast and care a lot about etiquette. Fondly, a fellow hyphenator, Bridget Devney Rye. T wrote in regards to wearing white at weddings, a topic certainly appropriate given that wedding season is in full swing. T writes, frequent listener, finally caught up. Just got married last weekend, so I enjoyed your white to the wedding entry. I have a line that I use to help determine if it's appropriate to wear. The line is, would someone else call it white? That someone else could be your spouse, your too honest friend, or your three-year-old nephew. Women who love their dresses will parse white, champagne, etc., while often someone in their lives will simplify it. I have many a dress that I insist, but it's not really white, that my darling husband puts me in my place about. 
It's always worked for me. Signed, T. I yeah. Me too. It's so based on other people's perspective. And it's Which is so much of what it's about. Absolutely. And it's so honest. It, it sort of acknowledges that impulse in oneself to make a little excuse or a little allowance in an area where someone else might not be giving us that same latitude. Right. And I like the fact that even if you don't decide to join that perspective that you get from the other person, I just think it's a great lit- litmus test. You'll kind of like, even if you choose to wear the dress that they're calling white, at least you're prepared prepared now. You know other people might be assuming it's white. I like, I dig it. (laughs) And finally, we have Amy, who wrote in responding to episode 142, where Bill and Lizzie answered a question about whether a bridesmaid should be able to visit other friends when in town and staying with the bride the week of the wedding. Amy writes, good morning, Lizzie and Dan, Bill. (laughs) I wanted to add a perspective from a bride who had a destination wedding in France and had a lot of family treated as an excuse for a vacation. I felt your advice was straight on, and thank you for making it clear to ask the bride without making it a big deal. I was very grateful for all of the family who came to support us. However, in the weeks leading up to the wedding, I dealt with people treating me like a personal travel agent, asking me about everything from distance to major tourist attractions to things that really felt like, how long will this take before I can go on the rest of my trip? Ouch. I was already stressed dealing with a wedding 6,000 miles away, but then felt like my big day was an inconvenience to the people who were supposed to be my guests. I tried to get them a schedule so they could plan in advance, as weddings in France are often multi-day events, and my mother-in-law had put in a lot of time and planning. The biggest thing I can say to this issue is please do not talk too much to the bride about your other plans once she's okayed them. She will be stressed out and you are her guest, even if you are there to help, so please remember that. Thanks for the great podcast. I love listening to you every day. I think this is a really good point. And although it could easily take us down a whole other path about destination wedding etiquette, um, I think the big takeaway is that if your host, in this case from episode 142, it was the bride, does say, yes, please go spend some time with other friends or please feel welcome to go do other things that week. And bear in mind, our host in this case was speaking to a bridesmaid who was coming to stay at her house. Little different from destination wedding and the scenario that was described above. But if the bride does say, yes, please go and spend time with other friends. I've got other things to do. It'll be nice for you to catch up. Then make your plans and execute them and try to keep it simple. I would not make requests for the bride to be driving you to all these events or anything. And I I just loved our feedback listeners response of once she's okayed it, leave the bride alone and go deal with your things on your own. And for those destination weddings, it's really important to remember the point of why you're going to that destination. First and foremost is the wedding and your bride and your groom or your brides or your grooms are not travel agents. As always, we so appreciate your feedback. Thanks for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can always send a comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette and today's Postscript is about family gatherings. It's summer. It's like high time for people to be doing reunions. You've got one coming up. Memorial Day weekend is in the rearview mirror (laughs) and we are launching (laughs) to the beach. Exactly. And yeah, yeah, no, your family's all headed together down to the vineyard for a little bit. And it's like family gatherings. Summertime's just the time to do it. All of the families. Week with one side of the family and then there'll be a transition moment. There'll be some overlap and there'll be the whole (laughs) other side of the family. 
Well, we decided to turn to Emily Post Etiquette 19th edition for some advice. And this comes from page 309. And it is about how to make it through family gatherings. Not how to make it through, how to enjoy family gatherings. I like the distinction. (laughs) Yeah, let's correct it. Dan, what's our first point? So the first idea is that you're going to spread the responsibilities around as much as possible. In a question a little earlier in the show, we mentioned the mental load being part of the work that's involved in any situation. And you want to be sharing both the actual duties but also the sense of responsibility for everyone's well-being as well as the functioning of the trip and the experience for everyone. And it's really okay to ask family to help out, you know. And when you're the guest, when when Cousin Dan is planning this event and I get invited to it, I'm going to ask – Hey, what can I do to pitch in and help out? Do you need a hand with anything? Gives Dan the chance to be able to say, no, we've got it covered. I just want you to come and enjoy yourself. Or, oh, man, it would be so awesome if you could bring that dish or help build this thing or bring this game, all that kind of stuff. So as a guest, offer as a host. Don't feel bad about delegating. I love that idea. Offer. Participate in that communication. Don't always wait to be asked. (laughs) And then do the things that you say you're going to do. Totally. Point number two is to follow the host's lead and adapt to their style of entertaining. Your sister may enjoy preparing every dish by herself while Cousin Lily prefers a potluck and Uncle Lee insists on taking everyone out to his favorite restaurant. Three different styles of entertaining. You run with what your host has decided to do. If it doesn't work for the family... You can always try something different another year. Say, oh, that was so great, but we'd love to give Kelly a chance to host this year. This speaks to me to something in the business world. They talk about emotional intelligence. This is social intelligence. This is have some awareness about the people that you're interacting with and dealing with. Be prepared to adjust other people's styles. Not everybody's going to be the same. Not everybody's going to operate in the same ways. And your ability to identify those things and participate and play along and adapt socially is really important to the success of gatherings. I'm going to add this one thing for all of you wonderful listeners who write in about your in-laws and your immediate family that drive you nuts and are maybe not the most gracious people on earth and just say that if it doesn't go well, if someone's being too controlling, someone's putting all the work on other people, even though they're the host. I mean, this happens. It just doesn't always go well. Someone insists on cooking things that no one else likes. I mean, it just happens. Instead of complaining about the event, complaining about how everything went, stating how horribly it didn't work. Instead, praise what did work well. Everyone got to gather and that was so nice. Let the details about what didn't work go and instead look to the future by saying, we would love the opportunity to host this event next year. Or, you know what? Uncle Bob's place would be a great place to do that. Do you think next year we could try that? positively look to the future, praise what worked well, and just dismiss the rest of it because, come on, this is family. This is close relationships. Let's pull each other up rather than tear each other down. A third point that I think is really worth mentioning is about what you bring with you. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about the picnic basket. I'm not talking about the bedsheets and towels for the vacation home. I'm talking about family baggage. I'm talking about problems. (laughs) I'm talking about the the negative thing that happened last year that Lizzie told you to let go of just now. (laughs) 
Absolutely. This is not the time to talk about the grievance with the sibling. Um, you don't want to get involved in go- family gossip at what's supposed to be a family uniting event. So when that cousin, sibling, aunt or uncle comes up to you and starts trying to engage you in it, instead, you set up your boundary. Hey, let's talk about this another time. I really want to focus on connecting with everyone tonight. Or Oh, I understand it's difficult, but I am not the right person to be getting involved right now. I love that. Can we memorize those yeah, sayings? I know, right? Because they're really effective and they're helpful. That yeah. that will make situations better. Yeah. Sometimes people think they're doing a favor by trying to vent and commiserate with one another. And you really want that family gathering to not be this, this time to have that conversation. Um, and it's okay to be really clear with that. Aunt Sue, I I really appreciate that you're trying to support me in this, but I'm trying to get away from this issue in my head. So tonight, I'd love to talk about something else. Okay, so number four, we want to accept one another's quirks. And this means that you want to be open-minded about harmless idiosyncrasies. The family storyteller that repeats the same story every time. Guilty. You know that uncle who, like, tells a joke and everyone's kind of like, okay. And then he thinks of a better punchline for it and tells that, like, three minutes into a whole other conversation. Okay, guilty again. Are you talking about someone <laughs> so who's sitting here with you? I'm so not talking about Okay, well, the next one. What about maybe that mole with the hair on it that you're like, oh, I can't stop focusing on it. I mean, these are things, the lateness, um, you know, guilty. flatulence sometimes comes okay, up as a thing. hopefully not so guilty. No, not guilty there. But I just think there are so many little things that can make you go, oh, gosh, I don't want to spend time with that person or, oh, gosh, I just wish they weren't like that. Mm-hmm. Get that out of your head. These are harmless quirks. Obviously, stand up for yourself or others if boundaries of offense have been crossed. But when it's it's in the mild territory, you really should let it go and just accept them. L- laugh in your head about it. Like, oh, gosh, here goes Uncle John with that story again. <laughs> like, we could all finish it ourselves, but let's let him tell it. I don't have a whole lot to add to that one because I think you pretty much got it there. There, There is a certain ability to being able to accept one another and look the other way to enjoy the rest of someone's contributions. We truly hope that your family gatherings this summer go well and that this encourages you to be that person helping make it all go smoothly and making sure that everyone wants to come back for another family gathering next year or next month or next week. Indeed. Yes, it's up to you. Can you be satisfied just to have fun with the rest of them? We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today's salute comes from Amy. I want to give an etiquette salute to my friends. For over seven years, my husband and I have been dealing with infertility. We've tried all kinds of treatment, but have had no success. Needless to say, pregnancy announcements, baby showers, and other events can be really hard for us. My friends and family have been so supportive of our emotional needs during this time. Some have asked if they should send me a baby shower invite or if I'd prefer not to receive one. Many make sure to tell me about pregnancies one-on-one, so I'm not surprised. One friend even went so far as to tell me when and how they were going to announce their pregnancy so that I could choose whether or not to attend the event, which I was already scheduled to attend. So I want to give an etiquette salute to my friends who, during one of the most exciting times in their lives, show me kindness, consideration, and respect. 
Amy, thank you so much for that salute. Thank you for really finding the, the heart of a good relationship in what might be a difficult situation. I love the way you're looking at the foundation of good etiquette being rooted in that consideration, kindness, and respect that you feel you're being shown by your friends. That really is the heart of great relationships. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send us questions, comments, and please, please, please send us your salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, you can leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter... I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. And please help us out. Get a friend to subscribe. And then please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast app. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Thank you, Chris. Maybe he will learn his lesson about the importance of good manners. Or maybe he won't. It's pretty hard to tell. What do you think?